Hey, it's Sammy Joe hanging out, and uh, I have great news for you guys. Now, not only can you listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, but we're also on Google Play Music. So now that means you have no reason not to listen to us on three separate occasions on all different apps. I mean, I'm really just making your life here. Anyways, Google Play Music, go check us out. You can also find us on iTunes. Leave us a review because we need more than one. And, of course, Stitcher as well. You can also catch us at cltcomedyzone.com slash podcast. Do it. Tell your friends. From the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Sammy Joe Francis. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. Uh, you got me and uh, just me, me and Brian. Sammy yeah. is, what the hell happened to Sammy? She's on a uh, cruise. This weekend. Oh, that's right. She's yeah. on a cruise with her with her boy toy. It's the it's the uh, her man friend's birthday, mm-hmm. and he's never been on a cruise before, so they are on his maiden voyage cruise, and that's a joke that's only funny to Sammy and I. So that what? one's for Sammy. Hold on, what joke is just funny? Maiden voyage. Made what? Maiden voyage. It's a <laughs> one of the first uh, projects that she and I worked on um, together. I had written. Um, you know, welcome to the main voyage of something, something, and uh, she, she refused to say it. She's like, nobody, that's not a thing. Nobody says that. I said, yeah, it is. It's a, it's the maiden voyage. It's a, so ever since then, for like the last six years or so, that's been a joke between her and I. So, uh, oh, okay. So yeah, every time so, y'all say it, y'all like laugh. Yeah, we exchange, you know, knowing glances across the room and Cheshire cat grins. Kind of like that. Yeah. So she flat out the first thing we ever worked on together. She flat out refused to say something that I wrote. So. How long ago? And that, <laughs> it's and it's that amazing we're like, still talking. Yeah, that, that, uh, <laughs> that was some great foreshadowing because uh, she doesn't listen to anything you write now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I hope they come back uh, in good shape. Those cruises in terms of weight gain and everything else can yeah. get out of hand. I, I went, me and my wife, matter of fact, we talked about it on the podcast. That's right. Uh, me and my wife's first anniversary, we went on a cruise and, man, I just I just couldn't stop eating. I, it's something about the food being free. Yeah, yeah. And well, un, well, and yeah, well, yeah, free. right. It's built yeah. into the, yeah. the price. But, I mean, we just ate and ate. And we had all these great plans, and uh, we would just get back to the room and fall out. We, we had yeah. shows we wanted to go to, comedy shows, stuff, late night, all that stuff. But you eat so much, and then you eat, and they bring you more food. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're at the restaurant and you have an entree, you'd be like, you know what? I want to try that one, too. The steak it is. And wow. then they bring it out. And you just eat and eat and eat, and I'm I'm I think I have a binge eating disorder. You think? I me and my wife saw a commercial for it, <laughs> and I told her I, t- I said, "Babe, I think I got BED," and she's like, um, "I don't even know if they call it BED." They should if they don't. They I feel like they yeah, should. That, that's I was like that, and she was like, "But anyway, you don't have that," and I'm like, "Well, how don't you know? Maybe I do. Like I can't stop eating once." I find something that's good. I can't stop eating it. So is that an actual thing? Binge eating disorder? Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, they have treatments for it and everything. Binge eating disorder. There it is. Yeah, binge eating disorder. They uh, they do call it BED, according to Wikipedia. So who knows? Oh, so it is BED. 
Well, yeah. Uh, characterized by binge eating without subsequent purging episodes. So you you binge, <laughs> but you leave the purge out. <laughs> I don't purge. <laughs> there you go. I'm like half of bulimia. I'm like the first bully. I'm the first half. I don't emia any of it. I just eat it. Uh, first described in 1959 as night eating syndrome, NES. Yeah, BED is much better than NES. Oh. The term binge eating was coined to describe the same binging type eating behavior, but without the nocturnal component. Yeah, see, I got I got all that. Because when I eat, when I get to going, man, and I think I blame families because sure. two things your parents always told you to do when I was growing up is sit down somewhere and finish your food. Yeah. Yeah. So you're constantly getting told, eat more, move less. That's essentially what parents told yeah. us for the first 15 years of our lives. Yeah. Move less, eat more. Yeah. And now we got a country full of fat souls. Yeah. Well, our portion sizes. Is oh, out of control. It's insane. Though, too, it's insane. Like I, I get to the point where, and I went to a family reunion, my wife's family reunion for the fourth, and I, uh, man, I ate, I ate so much that they were putting food on, and I'm like, you can just put that on top of this. <laughs> so they were, so you might have like a layer of potato salad yeah. with a rib laying on top of it, <sighs> like just smushed on top, like it's a double layer cake. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. And I was the first person I knew to start bringing Tupperware to cookouts. Oh, very smart. Yeah, very smart. I don't I don't yeah. even wait for them to give me a plate and foil. I mm-hmm. bring my own Tupperware. And some people say, man, that's so trifling. Why not? Come on, man. That's fucking... Uh. No, it's that's genius. Hey, look. Yeah. I, it's convenient. Yeah. You yeah. know? And then, hey, if they say you can't take any food home, well, I put my, put my container back away. Yeah. But I'm ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'm the only person that does that, but... If you're listening, I think, uh, you know, sometimes when you go to a cookout, it's smart to bring that because, you know, the foil, you can get leakage, especially if you got some greens or some something that's got juice to it. Yeah, the plate's always. And the plate's flimsy. Yeah. If they don't have quality plates, it can break and bend yeah. in your car. Just bring Tupperware. There's no shame it's in that. Don't be, don't be ashamed of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Just have it in your car. <laughs> yeah. And then if they say, hey, do you want to take some food? Yes, I do. It's, fu- it's funny you asked. Yeah. <laughs> Funny you should ask, because I brought this big ass. That's right. I've also lined my pockets with ziplocs, so there's that. And I have my cargo pants. But sure, yeah, I'll take some. Yeah, yeah. But I that the same thing happened at my wife's uh, family reunion because this year I went with her family. Her father's side of the family had their family reunion, and I had never really met his people, so. My family was having a family reunion here in North Carolina, but I said, let me go and visit with hers, get to know her side uh, more. We've been married two years, and I've never really met his family. So I said, let me go to his. So I get there, and I see one of my father-in-law's sisters. That make her an aunt-in-law? What does that do? Your father-in-law's sister. Aunt-in-law? They don't say it. Yeah, I mean, technically family, but not It's not a thing, though. No. Yeah. Well, his sister. I mean, you'd still call her aunt, whatever, but yeah. she's not your. Yeah, it's not really right. Well, I saw stranger. her. I saw her there, and she saw me and my wife walk up, and she was at our wedding. And the first thing she says when she looks at me is, "Uh, well, I was uh, I was going to ask when you all were going to have children, but oh, no. it looked like you pregnant." Uh. Talking to me. <laughs> it looked like you having the baby. 
<laughs> That's no good. That's no good. <laughs> See, you know, and this the, here's the thing. People do that with men. Yeah. It's okay to beat up on us like that. Yeah. You mess around and tell my wife. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah. And then she's going to yell at me about it all the way home. Yeah. yeah. But you could, we just big punching bags, man. Yeah. She said, it looks like you having the baby. Yeah. And my wife just started laughing. And I said, wow, that's some cold shit. I haven't seen you in two years. That, <laughs> that's the first thing. Older woman? Oh, I guess yeah. Your dad, your or her father, sister. So yeah, older. You can't be. I, I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, older. Older women will say whatever in the yeah. hell, especially to younger men. Yeah, they don't give a damn. Like my grandmother's like that. I love my grandma to death, but my grandma will kick you <laughs> when you're down. I think that might be partially where I got my sense of humor because my grandmother, my brother, was telling the story just this past weekend. Uh, he was telling me and my wife over speakerphone that my grandmother one time he was moving he was going to move to new york to pursue acting and he said i wish he was here to tell it but he said he said grandma i'm moving to new york i'm taking the next step i'm excited and she said uh what's your address gonna be 222 brooklyn bridge <laughs> she said that's she pretty said, good though yeah she, <clears throat> said, she said do they deliver mail to the bridge that's pretty good that's this is the same woman <laughs> Okay, the same woman that I brought home a picture of me and my girlfriend uh, from one of those kissing booths in, in college. We took a picture of the kissing booth. I said, my grandma never met her. So I said, grandma, here's a picture of me and such and such. And she, <laughs> and I'm like, what's so funny? And she said, that looked like another man. But I've been with that one for two years. <laughs> this is the same woman, the same woman that. When I came home and I told her kids were making fun of me because I've all you know I've always had a, a a high booty yeah a big butt yeah I've always had that I got that from my mom you know she get it from her mama where sometimes he gets it from his mama okay <laughs> I got mine from mine yeah and you I I told y'all last week about how the kid, how folks would make fun of me like yeah, oh what's yeah. up girl oh that's Will oh <laughs> and then they go take it running off down the hall every day I dealt with this. <laughs> So I come on one day and I was telling my grandma about it because I got pissed off one day because one of the kids told me uh, if you pop Will's ass, uh, snacks would fly out <laughs> like chips and Twinkies and shit. Would, like a pinata. Like a pinata. His yeah. ass is a big yeah. brown pinata. <laughs> if you pop it, I bet snacks and shit would fly out. <laughs> it was, I'm telling you, high school was rough. It's pretty bro. advanced stuff, though. For Dude, it's pretty. Conceptually, it is advanced. Yeah, these kids were sharp now. These kids were sharp. So they said that, and I came home and told my grandma, and I was so pissed about it. And I'm like, uh, she said, well, I'll just tell you one thing. You you better not ever go to jail. And I said, go to jail? I said, why Why not? She said, because with an ass like that, they ain't going to give you a break. <laughs> She's talking about me getting raped in prison. Yeah, that's, My grandmother. That's, yeah. I came home to complain. And then now, every time I go home, not every time, but every once in a while when I go home, she'll say that my family calls me Little Al. She'll say, Little Al, tell them about what uh, what the one said to you. Because one time this girl told me I had an ass like a bitch. <laughs> and my grandma thought that was the funniest sentence that had ever been uttered in human history, in the history of sentences. And so, hey, girl, tell me what you said. Tell me what you said. And I said, he, he, she said I had an ass like a bitch. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what you said. She just so that's so older women, ruthless, bro. No filter. No filter. Yep. Hey.
Have you ever had an older woman say something to you that was just like that's a, that's that's a lot? Yeah, I I had a woman walk up to me in a in a in a grocery store. This mm-hmm. was years ago. Yeah, uh, she walked up to me. She put her hand on my on my belly. <laughs> oh, 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 first of all, she actually touched me <laughs> and said, "When are you due?" Oh, yeah. Tiny little thing, tiny little woman walked up to a six eight man. No fear, no. <laughs> put her hand on my tummy and said, "When are you due?" What did you say? What do you say? I to was that? stunned. <laughs> I, I, there was nothing. I mean, what what do you do? Older, do you older, do? older women will shut you down. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I can't. There's nothing. I, I. What am I going to do? First of all, I could have smashed that woman. Right, <laughs> right. If she, yeah, just no fear. Walked up to a six eight three hundred pound man. When are you due? When are you due touching your stomach? Yeah, touched me. <laughs> and this was in front of people. In, in front of, <laughs> was I with somebody? It was. I wasn't with my wife at the time. Yeah. I was with somebody. Mm-hmm. I, now I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And she said yeah, that. I don't remember who, but she, yeah, when are you due? <laughs> Jesus Christ, lady. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Total stranger. <laughs> Not like my grandma. I think I think older folks have just they just feel like they've lived long enough to earn yeah. the right to just say whatever. I don't know like where do you I, like I don't I'm getting older. I don't have that yet. No, I don't think. I don't either. I, there's no part of me that feels like I, uh, I got the right to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 C- certainly not to touch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, you got the double whammy because she she rubbed your stomach. That was a lot to be. Don't be rubbing my stomach. All right. I I get the fucking point. All right. You are. Don't be. You don't gotta rub my stomach. Invading my space. Yeah. You felt. Yeah. I would have felt a little violent. It was. It was weird. It was. It was awkward. I think I laughed kind of strangely and just kept walking. I don't. I think I. Yeah. So that's a double whammy. That's like a cross <laughs> dinner hook. Touch. Wow. And then verbally say some shit to you. Well, damn. That's uh. Well, speaking of that, speaking of uh, weight and everything else, you see, I got my um, I got this container. You're drinking here. your stuff again. I'm back on the stuff, man. I got a sweet potato smoothie. Mm. Now that sounds gross. Banging. It's good. I this thing has uh some mixture of it's like almond milk, uh baked okay. sweet potato, um so a little banana, some pineapple chunks, little cinnamon sugar, little honey, and you blend that thing up in the vi- I have a Vitamix. Yeah. Uh yeah. blend that thing up and um now I just drink my smoothies during the day and I have a a well-balanced dinner after I have my uh my smoothies during the day. Like they used to say for slim fast at night a sensible meal. Yeah. <laughs> Drink nine of these a day. You and know what, though? Go and have your steak. To be honest yeah. with you, man, one of these will get you about two and a half hours. You drink one of these puppies, you're good to go for about two and a half hours. Then you drink another. And then you start to look forward to dinner. So having... Well, yeah, because you haven't chewed anything. <laughs> you haven't chewed anything. <laughs> but see, that, that makes the dinner choices smarter because now you appreciate a piece of chicken breast. You appreciate a piece of chicken breast. Instead of just, ah, oh, chicken breast, you're like, I get to have chicken breast tonight. Oh, fish? What kind of fish? Oh, it doesn't need seasoning. It's fine. You can just give me a piece of fish. Something with texture and... Texture. Work those, the jaws and the serrated teeth. Couldn't you just eat less? I know we just had this conversation. We just talked about my disorder. But but couldn't you... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like 
half of I feel like we could solve the obesity issue in this country if we just just eat less. I feel just like just eat half of what you normally eat every meal. Honestly, I feel like that's asking someone with Parkinson's to shake less. I'll <laughs> be honest with you. I feel like that's where you just went. Uh, because be right. yeah, because we just talked about how I don't have any control over. It. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not the person that there's there's more of me than there needs to be too. I don't I don't according I'm to that not, old lady. Yeah, there's <laughs> way more of you than she was ahead of her time. But y'all got to see pictures of Brian. Go. Do we have any? Do oh, you ever post there. pictures of your football days and? Oh, dude. yeah. Well, yeah. You were like an athlete for real. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. We got to talk about your offensive lineman days one day. Cause you you lived it, yeah. I yeah. just told people I played a lot of football. I really didn't. <laughs> I just said it to impress people. But you actually got out there, hand in the dirt, yeah. knocked helmets mm-hmm. for uh, close to ten years. Yeah. So maybe maybe the thing was you ate a lot at that time, and then the physical activity stopped, but you kept eating. That's that's a really accurate assessment of exactly <laughs> what happened. I haven't done anything remotely athletic since 1988. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not entirely true, but but you keep yeah, it, and that's the thing that happens when you stop playing, and that's you know a lot of these pro athletes when they stop playing will go one way or or the other. Either they'll gain another 150 pounds, or they will lose a ton of weight because they know they can't. You know your body's already beat up from playing you know football for so long, and now you know you got to carry all that weight. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. Well, we'll continue that discussion. uh, But right now, we got to get ready. We got a very special guest uh, coming into the studio. Uh, Veer Das, ladies and gentlemen, is here. So we'll talk to him right after the break. Big shows coming up at the Comedy Zone, of course, this weekend. The biggest comic maybe who's ever, ever played the Comedy Zone, Veer Das, India's highest-selling English-speaking comedian, July uh, 15th and 16th. That's Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, two shows each night. Get your tickets at cltcomedyzone.com. Veer Das in town. You're going to hear from him in just a moment. July 21st and tw- through the 23rd, Dominique comes back. She uh, brings her great, hilarious act into the Comedy Zone on July 21st and 23rd. Drew Lynch, July 28th and 30th. You know him from America's Got Talent and Comedy Central. Steve Byrne, August 4th through the 6th. James Davis, the 11th through 13th of August. Gary Owen, 18th through the 21st. Big J. Okerson, August 25th through the 27th. And Sinbad in uh, September. Just a few of the huge shows coming to the Comedy Zone over the next couple months. Over the next week or so, the season finale of Funny on the Fly on Sunday, uh, July 17th. You're not going to want to miss that show. It's a great lineup. Also, uh, Wednesday, uh, July 20th, one night only, uh, local favorite Johnny Millwater. Uh, you know him. You love him. Uh, Johnny Millwater recording his new album uh, right here at the Comedy Zone on Wednesday, July 20th. We talked about Dominique. Uh, a, a special mixtape show on the 24th of July. And on the 26th, a new fight night, Almost Famous. And then, of course, Drew Lynch on the 28th. All kinds of great shows coming up at the Comedy Zone. For more information... Here's what you do. You can go to the Comedy Zone website at cltcomedyzone.com. You can call the box office at 980-321-4702. Or you can follow the Comedy Zone at Comedy Zone CLT on Twitter and on Snapchat. And find the Comedy Zone Charlotte Facebook page at Comedy Zone CLT. Great shows coming at the Comedy Zone. Make this the funniest summer ever.
Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. As I alluded to at the end of the first segment, we have a super duper special guest in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Is Veer Das. Hello. Yes. Now, if, if first of all, if you don't know who he is, where the hell you been? Because this guy is his resume. Is, first of all, do you find a difference? For people in the states that some of them know don't know your work as well as folks abroad, I think it's better when they don't know my work because then I can just do my shitty material. And <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's it's nice. Like uh, we were talking about this yesterday. The reason I'm here is because I, I've never been to Charlotte. I've never been to Addison. I've never been to like smaller American cities. Mm-hmm. So like th- the endeavor of the trip is to just write for the smaller American crowds and see what they like mm-hmm. and see if they're going to open up to like an Indian man or, or the Indian accent, the Indian perspective, so to speak. Well, they certainly did last night. That they were good. Show. They were good. That was a good like opening show. Yeah. I feel like it. Oh, and for those listening, I I got to feature. Uh, yes, for for Veer last night, so we worked together. Yes, and and you were very good. Oh, so, I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Now, I was talking to somebody last night, and they pulled me to the side, and they were like, "You realize who that is?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I'm working with him. I have some idea." <laughs> and they were like, uh, "He's like Brad Pitt in India." If like Brad Pitt got hit by a car, and then he spent <laughs> like ten years in the hospital and had failed reconstructive surgery and <laughs> developed an alcohol problem and Jolie left him. Then yes, very much Brad Pitt. But in terms in terms of Bollywood, you are elite A plus I mean, you would never. You probably wouldn't say it, but that. But that's how. That's how you're recognized. I. Um, so yeah, a lot of people that came to the club last night have never seen me do stand up. Like they right. would have seen a movie. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm. I'm not a list at all in Bollywood. I'm. I'm lower B. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm. I do sort of the, the the smaller high concept comedies. Like you know what Ben Stiller did when he was starting out. Yeah. Like that kind of shit. That's what I do. Most of the A listers say that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm not. A- <laughs> that's how you know he's an A-lister because he said he was a B-lister. Exactly right. Yeah, that's a we ch- know. <laughs> but no, the funny thing is, I was comparing that to my experience with you because all I know you as is a comedian. Yeah, yeah. I, so I've seen the comedy. Mm-hmm. I've never seen your movies. Yeah. So now, which is why you like me and wish you still talk to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> my last two movies weren't that great. They were pretty fucking. Terrible. Oh, so you yeah. are just like Brad Pitt. You are. Just <laughs> like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> he is just like Brad Pitt. <laughs> no, uh, but that's that's really cool, man. So what did you think of the reception you got at the shows? It was fun. You know, it, um, I went up with like about half an hour of new shit last night, uh, and and it was good to see it work. Yeah. You know what I mean, like we were talking about, uh, I had a racism set that we were talking about in the green room. Yeah. I have some stuff on gun control and stuff that I've written for the American tour, mm-hmm. uh, but it's an Indian perspective on America. Yeah. So to see them go down that road and and not get as squeamish as I thought they would, yeah, uh, was kind of cool. Right. Yeah. And and conceptually, uh, first of all, your material so well crafted. Thank you, man. Yeah. Just sitting there listening to it, just some of the concepts. Like. I've I've just I've made it a point to steal from really good people. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's basically I I only attend the best of the best comedians and make notes there. You know well, what that's mean? what you got to do. <laughs> that's 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 absolutely what you have to do. But yeah. I when I listened to your set last night, I was home telling my wife, I'm like, this guy is like really good and it makes you think like i i enjoy comedy that you know because i tell people you could tickle someone for an hour and they laugh Mm -hmm, that that's not but but does it do they think and do they go that you know what that's interesting but even like you know i i feel like like the perfect comedian and i'm not that person is is somewhere in between right where it's 
it's not a guy who's going to just cater material shamelessly and pander to the crowd yeah. uh it's not a, a mission comedian either yeah you know it's not mm-hmm. oh let me preach to you or, or talk down to you from my my stool in the sky you know what i mean uh right. it, it's somewhere that weaves in the middle of those two things mm-hmm. like i think the perfect thing is if you can come out with like a clear idea of who the comedian is mm-hmm. like that's all you need you yeah. know what i mean because then you have their thought process you have their heart process you know what's important to them you know what's not but i see so many comedians where they just get on stage and get off and you have no idea who they fucking are yes you yeah. know at the end of the show yeah. that to me is pointless comedy right if you don't have a window into yeah into them at all yeah because mm-hmm. then they they've seen you and they laugh but they'll never come back they only come back for who you are they don't come back for what you said mm-hmm. they come mm. back for who you are you know it's so funny we were having the same discussion about that in terms of interviews for the podcast mm-hmm. because we were talking about what listeners gravitate to and what people want to hear and sometimes in my mind like i love an interview where i sit and i walk away going i know him a little bit yeah you know what i mean but then sometimes an audience just wants to hear yuck 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 sometimes you find that and it's like trying to find that balance where my thing is if we have a funny person on like yourself it's going to be funny there's elements that are going to be funny so i can shift my focus to interesting and what you want to talk about and find interesting. And, and I also, I mean, I, I don't know if you face this, but most comedians are pretty dull uh, when they're off stage. You know what yeah. I mean? We're just not funny in real life and people right. don't realize that. They expect right. you to be this always on Kevin Hart type person. And All the time. <laughs> you know, and All not, the time. You know what I mean? And like... I believe Kevin Hart is always on. I don't know if he is or not. I just, I, you I just see, get the sense yeah, that he I wakes up to, in the morning. Hey, I, yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's that, you know, he's just in the mirror doing jokes, brushing his teeth, doing jokes. I just feel that, but it, it it's probably an unfair accusation. <laughs> well, I I had to work on my uh, off stage uh, personality because I was the type to just I would just come to the comedy club, I would do my thing, and I would go home, and that was just it. And then mm-hmm. finally, somebody told me, you know, you're going to have to start being as good off stage as you are on stage. There's an element of building relationships and getting to know people and being open to that. Because I could no longer be the guy that just goes and sits in the corner, gets ready, does his stuff, and goes home. Like, you have to be there a little bit. I think, you know, it's uh, like the two things that I've learned as a comedian or as an artist is, number one, if you want to be good at tennis, you have to play tennis with people who are better than you. Like, that's Mm. really, really important, right? Yeah. So, like, you have to watch and sponge as much as you can to to figure out. Because, look, we're all talking about the same five things, right? It's sex and shit and terrorism and Trump and something else. You know, that's that's comedy in a a nutshell. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. But... uh, I love to to see your set and and be outdone by your take on Trump or to be right. outdone by by your take on something else because then that makes me up my game. Right. Uh, like I'm, I'm a fiercely competitive artist uh, but competing with what I did last, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you just got to watch as much good shit as you can to to get better. Yeah. You know. 100%. So so now that so what it, your plan over in the states is you said you're going to do some smaller markets yeah. and then So I'm uh, I'm writing a special. Uh, I can't talk too much about it just yet, but it's going to yeah. be uh, you know shot in India and in America as well. 
so it'll intercut between the two countries so it's important that it plays well to american crowds and it plays well to indian crowds mm-hmm. uh at the risk of sounding arrogant i have india covered kind of you know what i mean so, <laughs> so, got so that yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. we'll be all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> right but um i i just want to like go everywhere every type of city in america for the next like two months mm-hmm. and just so that i know i can play an american crowd yeah and it was it was even great for me to be a part of the show because you know last night's audience was maybe 80% Yeah. Indian, yeah. Some, somewhere around But there. But let's let's hope that changes over the weekend. Because like when I did DC or when I did LA or whatever, you yeah. know, on on Thursday it's just Indians. You know what I mean? Right. But then they start bringing the friends in, and like and then, then hopefully by Saturday late show you've got like fifty nice fifty. You right. know what I mean? And that's a cool thing to happen. Right. And that yeah, and that and I guess that would be good for you. It would. It would be great. Now for yeah. me, I don't give a shit about the Indians. I just care about getting Americans. In. <laughs> no, see, I wanted to be all, I wanted them to be all Indian. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. I know because I know with these Americans, I know. How my jokes play with them, yeah. but, or, or no, they're all Americans. But I, I, I know how my jokes play yeah. with you know certain demographics. Yeah. But I'm like, last night I was like, wow, I get to see you know how my jokes. And I actually, uh, the best man in my wedding was uh, uh Indian buddy of mine from law school. Okay, so I'm on the phone with him last night, like, hey, I'm uh, I'm featuring for Veer Das this weekend. Uh, what, what do Indian people laugh at? Or is it the same? <laughs> It's just so because I, I just had no clue, and, and, and I'm like, way, these are a, a different type of Indians as well. Like, mm. they are like these weren't. Uh, maybe it's just a Thursday night crowd, but they weren't like young, cool, hip Indians. These were just like you know, nine to five, older, yeah, a little bit older, conservative Indians. So the fact that you were making them laugh is a really good sign. Yeah, you know, because uh, uh, Indians. We can be a little bit serious, you know little what I mean? Serious, yeah, like, if, if you're not good, we will not fucking laugh. You know what I mean? It's 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 just so. If you had them laughing, it's a good sign. So they don't give you the the charity laughs. They don't do that. No, I. I so even like, uh, if you are slightly famous, which I am, it buys you 30 seconds, right? Uh, it's like that's it. It's yeah, you're you're weird and you're here in Charlotte, which means your career's not doing too well. And and and, and now fucking make me laugh. You know what I mean? Like that's it's it's. It's that, but like what I always explain about India and doing stand up there is it's uh, it's tougher foreplay, better sex. Mm. Know what I mean? So the first like eight minutes are always tough in India. You got to reach in and just yank fucking laughter out of their th- mm-hmm. you know out of their guts. Mm-hmm. But then once you have them, they're a better crowd than anywhere in the world. Yeah, like I, without exception. They were great last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that. So I so I found out Brian that some of my stuff. Uh, folks do enjoy yeah. from from different demographics, <laughs> not just <laughs> folks. Are, let me write that down. Folks do enjoy for some of your stuff, some of my stuff, <laughs> yeah. and that was good enough. That, that was that was that, the whole that, that should be the blurb on your poster. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> will some of his stuff is enjoyed by folks <laughs> of different demographics. Put that on the website, yeah. the Charlotte Observer. <laughs> But that was that was really great, and the thing I noticed about you uh, yesterday was also after the show was over, mm-hmm. people were lined up to yeah. meet him, take a picture, and you were really great about it. Well, I'm, you work really hard so that people will want to take that picture. You know what I mean? Uh, and and also, uh, there's a big superstar in India who who produced a film. His name is Amir Khan. And mm-hmm. he produced a film that I was in, low budget film. Mm-hmm. He taught me a really important lesson, which was that your reputation doesn't belong to you; your talent belongs to you. Oh, so other people will decide when you're famous. You have nothing to do with that process. Mm. You know, so one day they decided they wanted a selfie with you, right? Yeah. And one day they'll decide you're not cool enough anymore, and they don't want that selfie. Uh, and then they'll decide again that they want it again. You got and, no. and you just got to keep doing your thing. Um, and if you're a little bit humble about that. 
and you recognize that it's their decision, you'll have a longer relationship with them uh, over the years. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, I don't remember the day that people wanted to start taking a photograph with me. I don't remember what I did. Um, I remember one day I was walking my dog outside my house um, and there was a photographer there and I was just, you know, in pajamas, half a boner, hair fucked up, <laughs> you know, just walking my dog outside so my dog could take a shit and there was a photographer out there and I kind of had to go back and tell my wife, I guess we're, we're known now, you know what I mean? And, and we have to be a little bit careful. But uh, there's been months when there's no photographer for anything and then there's been months when they come back and that'll keep going up and down. So when they want to take your photograph, you have to be there and you have to smile and you have to be humble so that the next time they want to take your photograph, it's because you were that nice to them. Because you were that the first time. Yeah. Right. You know? And then they'll tell other people Absolutely, the kind yeah. of person you yeah. are. Either that or just sleep with the right people. I feel is... Uh, well, that's always an option. Yeah, you know? I wasn't going to mention it. I'm glad like, you brought it up. If you're not into like yeah. humility and art and all of that stuff, just bang. Uh, Slang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so where are you off to after you leave Charlotte? Um, LA for a week. Um, okay. Addison. Then Irvine. Montreal. New York. Back to Bombay. Now, is it ever? T- now, where does your wife? Where is she located? She's uh, in Bombay, but she gets into LA on Sunday, so it's her first time in America as well. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, so, so so she's gonna be here to stay, or she's uh, gonna- she's she's coming in for nine days. Nine days. So I'm yeah. I'm just gonna show her around LA, and she'll come to Irvine with me, which is gonna be exciting. We'll do some sexy shit in Irvine. There California. you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, now, how long have you been married? Go to TJ Maxx or something. <laughs> there you go. That's just do yep. suburban shit. That's I've been married eighteen months. Eight. Oh, so it's, wow. oh wow. So it's he's almost like me. I I just celebrated two years. I'm oh, married. nice. Congrats. So, but but we lived together for like five years before the marriage. So we were living in sin, yeah. as, as Indians call what it. What took you so long, man? Um, we're both. So my wife is um, an event manager. And so my wife used to do like rock concerts for 10,000 people, like handle that event on her own. So we're both just fiercely driven, ambitious people. We're both working really hard. And at some point, my wife like uh, said, fuck it. Uh, You have to be a certain kind of person to be an event manager. And I don't want to be that person anymore. So she's now a crystal healer and she runs a dog charity and she does Reiki. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Wow. She just turned it around. Um, And that's when we kind of, you know, had more time and and got married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because with your lifestyle, it helps that because if the other person has the exact same lifestyle, that presents some difficulty. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. there should always just be one asshole in the relationship. You know what I mean? And that's how I, I pay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I went for. Yeah, and I'm happy to be that. <laughs> happy to be the asshole. <laughs> well, that's good. So with all the traveling that you do, is there a balance that you have to work to find to give some time to your marriage? And is that something you think about or it just... So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm an obsessive workaholic and I have been since I was 25 years old. Um, it's, you know, uh, 2% of actors eat. Mm. In any country in the world, offer their acting, and if you and literally 190 actors in India get to work full time in Bollywood mm. and and make movies, and there's 1.3 billion people in my country. So if you get to be one of those 190, literally, f- for whatever period of time the chosen few, fucking bring your A game and work every mm. single day, and you know, and and your family just has to understand. Yeah. Um. So, but, uh, I've been fortunate in that. Uh, Work is my only passion and probably my only vice Okay. in that sense. You know what I mean? I don't party that much. I, I, I don't really drink that much. I don't smoke. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not into fame. I reject fame uh, as far as I possibly can because I don't believe the concept is real. Mm. Um, 
so it's literally if i'm off stage my first thought is my wife you know wow. what i mean uh, and my bulldog i have a, an english bulldog so nice. uh, but that's that's my life it's it's not more complicated than that, than that it's a very simple life mm-hmm. you know All right now we had a very interesting conversation last night about race yes. and racism yes. we were talking in the green room about it yeah and um your perspective was interesting because you talked about other countries and how what racism is there versus yeah. what we perceive yeah. in the U.S. Could yes. you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, I, I feel like in the U.S. you empower words a lot, um, and um, America was this country was that was built on the foundation that we should accept people who are different. That's the foundation of your country, uh, and from you, you somewhere went from there to pretending like nobody is different at all. Mm. um and something that i said last night verbatim is if we can acknowledge the fact that we're all different and talk openly about the fact that we're all different then we'll all be on the same page and we won't be so different mm. um uh, and and i believe that that's the key to to tackling this you know what i mean is to not pretend or to secretly think things but it's to just say whatever's on your mind be corrected um and never have to say it again know right. what you're doing wrong but uh, americans political correctness kind of It's a very scary thing here. It's very overamplified. But to give you perspective, you, you know what I mean. Uh, somebody else's perspective of racism is not being able to vote, or not being able to eat the same food, or not being able to go to school. Like that exists as well. Right. You know what I mean. So uh, you, you got to find that that line. I'm saying you have an opportunity to have really cool dialogue about racial relations and uh, and racism, and you need to seize that more. and not be so afraid of it because 98% of the world does not have that opportunity right to talk about these things right and that's one of the, i think that's one of the great one of the great failings in this country is that in terms of the demographics we're not a homogeneous no group of people and no. we have all these different people and i feel like sometimes we don't take advantage of it because we walk around saying things like uh people want to say we're post racial and we don't see race and i've never found that helpful No, because number one, if there's a, like if okay, for example, if they come out with a statistic that says women are paid fifty percent mm-hmm. of what men are paid, mm-hmm. it's not helpful for me to go. Well, I just see people; I don't see gender. Yeah, to go. address that specific problem, Absolutely. you have to acknowledge that yeah. there are some differences. Yeah, and that goes for race, class, and everything else. So. just even in terms of discussing our problems we have to acknowledge that people are different the key is to appreciate and embrace those differences and not also, to pretend they don't exist and also to be open not to be squeamish i find that americans have become very squeamish about racial discussions mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh like in india and and we're still a developing country we're very young we're very early and we're figuring our shit out mm-hmm. but we're the largest democracy in the world you know what i mean it's 1.3 billion people but we have huge minority issues we have a government that is uh reasonably totalitarian right wing hindu agenda government but when when we voice stuff for minorities it's uncensored and brazen you know what i mean and there's almost a benefit to having an uncensored brazen brash rude fucking discussion because then at least somebody says it yeah and you know what the actual thought is right. so you can tackle that uh, nothing is sugar coated um and i feel like america might benefit a little bit from that right. you know what i mean like uh the last like okay tell, what did you think of chris rock's monologue at the oscars for instance oh i thought it was uh powerful right yeah right because he didn't hold back you know what i mean and he just said it 
I was that was amazing to me. It was just powerful and comedic and insightful because there was no sugar coating whatsoever. And and if you gave that job to nine of the other African American comedians or nine of the other white comedians, it might have been something else. Yeah. And and he went for it, which is a risky and ballsy fucking thing to do. Yeah. You it know? was important. Yeah. It was imp- it was important to do, but it's so I find that sometimes so difficult though because it's not like a movie where you put out a movie and then you wait for the feedback, right? You wait to see box office receipts. Yeah. You wait to hear reviews on it. Feedback in comedy is instantaneous. Yeah. I say it, y'all reject it or accept it right there in my face. Yeah. And I think that that people generally just want to be liked and embraced. And so they get up there and they say things that'll make people laugh, but also make them comfortable. As opposed to giving them a little discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. You got to shake them up. Yeah, you got to shake them up. But that's something you really have to work at. And I, I, I know even myself as a performer, sometimes I get up there and I'll go places and I'm like, wow, they're really not with, they're not with me <laughs> well, at all on like this. Last night's set, there's that moment where I yell black. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the set, and I yell it three times, mm-hmm. um, and and I point at a black man, and I do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they were fucking uncomfortable <laughs> when I did that yesterday. You know what I mean? They, they were right. just, this is not protocol. Why are you doing this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was nice to see them come around at the end of that. Once we turned the corner on that, yeah. Once it was out, uh, then it was cool to right. see them come back in and and, and kind of see my point, but. Uh, and and it was the first time I did that material last night, so I was fucking terrified. <laughs> you know when I when I did it, uh, but it worked out. You know? Right, and that but that, that also speaks to the emphasis that you put on craftsmanship, because yeah. you have to have something well written and crafted to turn that corner. Yes, you just can't yell it and not have anywhere to go. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if I just yelled black and got off stage, <laughs> there, there might be some unrest. Right. right. <laughs> So, but but you're like you're like a pilot. Like you're in good hands. Don't worry. We're yeah. gonna get here. We're gonna get here. Okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. So, it's, yeah, man. Uh, it's like I remember watching the Oscar stuff, and 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 again because Indians become from this complete far left perspective that you guys don't consider, right? So mm-hmm. so to Indians, like the Oscars are not black and they're not white. That shit is gold, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like precious metal. <laughs> if you you give an Indian an Oscar, you will sell it on eBay the next month. <laughs> That's forty two ounces of like cool shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we that, there's another perspective. Like I, I was talking with my management uh, in in LA about this, and and you know they they were talking about. You know, uh, you know, there's not that many good roles for Indians, and you know, you might end up playing terrorist, or you might end up playing waiter, or you might end up playing IT guy, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, yeah, but like, if you came over to Bollywood, literally, the only role I would have for you is oppressive motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like that, that's it. Like you would be British viceroy who who hung six Indians, and that's literally the only role that I have for you in India. So where the fuck do I get off saying, oh, there's no good roles for Indians when every white guy we've ever put in a movie for a hundred years has just been a son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Some variation of Hitler. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. So that's there you go. <laughs> See, and I think that I think that there's a certain humility that just comes off of you. That, <laughs> I know I'm serious. Like I look just from talking to you last night and seeing the way that you interact with fans and everything else to accomplish what you have, 
you wouldn't know it unless you had a real conversation with you because you don't you don't carry that with you like that. I've just slept with the right people, man. Like like I said, it's just I'm incredibly good in bed. Uh, so uh, the audience that you saw last night, I pre-fucked them. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's it's my policy. That's always good. So so uh, when do you know when the special uh, we talked about earlier when that's coming out? Or? I'd, um, probably early next year. I'm working on it right now. I, I don't want to put it on tape until it's incredibly ready. Yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, like uh, like we talked about before, it's, uh, I'm assuming something that, that uh, American audiences haven't seen a lot of, which is an originally Indian perspective on American life. Because, right. uh, you know, like there's brilliant comedians like Russell Peters and Aziz Ansari who've opened up the map, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's now okay to put an Indian guy on stage to an arena because of Russell Peters. Like he yeah. did that. You have to give mad credit where that's due. Yeah. And Aziz as well. But it's still a Canadian version of India or, or an American version of India, but not an Indian version of America. Mm. Uh, and that's what I did a lot of last night. It was yeah. about your medical insurance and about your racism and about your gun violence and about your this thing. But from my point of view, um, so I just want to get that just right because I, I don't know enough just yet. So this is very much like a research tool. So if I want to start to build my brand in India, mm -hmm. what do you recommend I do? Okay, so the first thing you do is I produce a comedy festival. So we'll get you down for that. Oh, let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it. I'm in. Oh. I'm in. So I produce uh, something called the Weird Ass Pajama Festival. Oh, so yeah. Weird Ass is, is my company, Weird Ass Comedy. Yeah. Because Americans say Weird Ass is Weird Ass. So that's why uh, I named it that. Uh, we do something called the Pajama Festival, which was, uh, we have three types of venues. There's the pajamas, the boxers, and the briefs. Right, uh, the briefs are like an eighty-seater club. Uh, the boxers are like a four hundred-seater, a two hundred-seater. Uh, the pajamas are two thousand-seater. Wow. So, like last year, we had, I want to say, six Americans, four Canadians, five Singaporeans, six Malaysians, about four Brits, about forty-five Indians, and we did nine cities in ten days. Wow! So we had upwards of twenty-nine thousand people. Wow. Come to the wow. festival. But uh, for, for the Americans, like we had, um, they're all LA based comics. So we got them out of the Laugh Factory and the Improv. Yeah. But uh, you might know some of them. Like we've had Eric Schwartz come down. Yeah, we okay. had uh, Chinedu Onaka come down. Okay. We had uh, Jeff Keith, Raj Sharma, um, just a, a bunch of cool people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they came down and, and did this thing. So you got to come down and check that shit out. Like I, I feel you'll, you'll do really well in India. Oh, like, I, I, will I will definitely come over there and participate. Yeah. 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 Like it's cool to see American comics just show up with suitcases of food. Like they do that shit. Right? <laughs> they're, they're just like they have like bread and peanut butter. And I'm like, there's 1.3 billion people. Somebody's eating carbs in my country. I promise you. Like we'll, yeah. we'll find you bread. Uh, put your suitcase down and get on stage. You know. <laughs> So and then they're just eating Indian food off the streets in like forty eight hours, which is cool. Yeah. When, when is the festival? When is last it? week of January? Oh wow! Every year, last week of January. Last week of January. Yeah. So everybody listening, I'll come. I'll be your manager. I'll come. No. So listen, we'll go. if anybody's listening to this and you you're an American comic and you want to play the Pajama Festival, uh, weirdasscomedy.com. Yeah. Uh, contact us page. Just write us an email. We'll look at your shit. And we'll go from there. Absolutely. And, and uh, however many Americans besides me, <laughs> that's an opportunity. Because I yeah, feel I like he just, he just No, you have a slot. A we're, we're done. We're done. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're you heard it. You heard yeah. it from the man himself. Yeah. That's, there it is. Let's give him a yeah. clap, bro. He's, but, he's, that's, that's I mean, this guy's the real deal. Yeah. I told you he was the real yeah. deal before he well, came in. Didn't I'm, but yeah. we don't pay. So. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'd like to withdraw my clap. I should not have clapped. That's who. No, but that's that's great. We'll we'll talk more about it, man. But thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Sitting with us. Uh, if you within the sound of our voices 
in the Charlotte area. Come out this weekend. There's two shows tonight, mm-hmm. uh, Friday night, two shows Saturday night. And wherever else Virdas is going to be, you need to see this guy. It's smart, it's thoughtful, and it's hilarious. And when you can get all those things in one show, um, it's always worth your time. So come see him. Come see him. He's, he's really good. Much continued success, my man. Thank you, man. Looking forward to hitting the stage with you a couple more times this weekend. And uh, we'll be back. Cool. I have to go sleep with some audience members. Uh, so it'll be fun. Bless you. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Where are you going? My beautiful friend. All right. All right, guys, you can keep up with Veer Das on Twitter at the Veer Das. That's T-H-E, like, you know, the Veer, V-I-R, Das, D-A-S, the Veer Das. Also, uh, you can find him on Facebook at the Veer Das Official. His website is veerdas.in, veerdas.in. You can also find out information at weirdasscomedy.com, just the way you might expect that to be spelled. As for the crew, Will Jacobs is at I am Will Jacobs. Sammy Joe Francis is at Sammy on air. That's Sammy with an I. I'm at NC, NC Balto 72 if you're interested. And uh, as for the podcast, uh, find us, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. The link is right there usually when we tweet. Uh, the link is, um, generally speaking, right there. You can follow the Comedy Zone podcast on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. The CZ Podcast. You can listen, as I mentioned, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on SoundCloud. Find us in all those places as well. No, uh, no matter what kind of uh, mobile device you have, you can find us on any one of those places. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we do appreciate it. Please tell two friends about us. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. It really does help us. Hey mom and other people listening. I'm just assuming it's definitely my mom listening. But you can help help us out and go to cltcomedyzone.com slash podcast and let us know who you are because we need a survey to know who's listening to us so we can make things more awesome for you as if they're not already awesome enough. So go to cltcomedyzone.com slash podcast and get that survey done. Less than five minutes. Come on. Come on. You know you want to. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. Once again, big shouts out to Veer Das for coming in. That was great. Yeah, that, that was. I, I I love that guy. I want to oh. go see his movies now. Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like I just booked a festival in India. That's I how he, I feel. I think he did. I think he did. Do you I, think I, that really I, happened? He said, "You've got a slot." I mean, that's a, a direct quote. He's yeah. in Iran, and he hasn't been in America long enough to be a bullshitter. No, no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> like that. Yeah, so. I think you can take him at his word. I think. I think if he said. Yeah, he's seen you perform once. Why wouldn't he invite you to his festival? <laughs> he's seen a scorch in 10 minutes. Because <laughs> at first, the way he said it, at first, a little bit, he was like, yeah, yeah, you should come check it out. I said, nothing about check it out. Yeah. Do you mean I should come over and watch the festival? Or do you mean I can come over and be part of the festival? Yeah. But I, I feel I, like he he cleared it up. He said, he no, said you've got a slot. Yeah, so That's any anybody saying. listening... Uh, if you want a slot in his festival, go to the website. Weird ass uh, comedy was it? Weird yeah. ass. Yeah, yeah, I think I, it's weird ass. I had comedy. it a second ago. Yeah. yeah, go to weird ass comedy and check it out. Uh, one slot's already taken, so <laughs> you Correct. understand that Big Will's gonna be over. 
And I'm going to open for you, right? Brian's going to open all the doors. End jars, <laughs> car doors. That's right. Whatever you need, I can change your light bulbs. Brian can do it all, man. <laughs> Whatever you need. He's all. So, yeah. So, anyway, shouts out to shouts out to Vera for coming and hanging out. And also, I wanted to, to transition here because I didn't want the podcast to go by without us talking about uh, even more violence. Uh, we got to talk about it last week. Uh, on Thursday, but that happened, and then I went out of town, so I wasn't able to come in Friday and and discuss the shootings that happened in Dallas. So all my comments that you heard were when all we had was the stuff that happened Thursday. So yeah. then all of a sudden, Thursday night, right? Thursday yeah. night comes, and there's a Black Lives Matter protest uh, in Dallas, peaceful protest, mm-hmm. and then somebody uh, has a sniper rifle yeah. and starts shooting at police officers um and their names i wanted to make sure we we acknowledge them and their sacrifice on the podcast and you know as much as i hate that we continue to have to do this um it's it's what's going on uh so there was brent thompson uh, officer brent thompson there was patrick uh zamaripa uh and please correct us if i'm pronouncing any of these wrong there was michael crawl um sergeant michael smith and uh, Lorne Ahrens, uh, all of those um, were the names of the police officers that were gunned down in Dallas. Again, trying to protect people's right to protest peacefully. And I think just that incident in and of itself is sort of a microcosm for what we're looking at. So many of these things are interconnected. Mm. It's not enough to sit back and say... um, F the police, police ain't shit, uh, because they're out there every day, you know, trying to uh, protect folks and make people safe. And a lot of times they're the first people you call if, you know, if something happens. So we have to be able to acknowledge the job that they do uh, while also acknowledging that there are institutional biases and that we do have issues with race the police are just representatives for society at large Mm -hmm. so in the same way that if i walk through the grocery store and the woman next to me pulls her purse closer okay sometimes there are police officers that have guns and badges that think about me the same way but when they are involved it's more dangerous for me Uh, so we have to be able to acknowledge that there are certain biases and you have to be able to make pointed criticisms you have to be able to say we have issues with policing but also we support the police that i I, to me and maybe because i think the way i do i don't struggle with nuance and dichotomies like that right like you can do both you can be supportive of black lives matter and supportive of police and the job that they do yeah to be honest with you when we talk when people talk about black lives matter this this is a humanitarian issue this is not this is not a thing cuz people i've heard people call black lives matter a terrorist organization and it's patently false and we have to be we have to be honest and open and i'm glad we talked with Vera Das about it because you have to be able to say what things are and be honest about them and you can do both things. We can acknowledge that there are problems in the justice system and the way we police while also 
uh, acknowledging that they have a tough job to do and that they're asked to do too much. And one of the uh, leaders down there, I don't know if he was a sergeant or what position he was in the police department, got uh, up at the microphone and talked about police are asked to do too much. Uh, we have issues of drug addiction. We send the cops, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we have uh, people with mental issues. We send the cops. Uh, we have people with all sorts of issues that really probably shouldn't be handled by the police, but we send the cops. Yeah. We're, 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 we're trying to address addiction issues and we're trying to address mental health issues and domestic issues and whatever else with cops. They are overextended and we're asking. So what you have is a bunch of societal failings that we ask the police to just come in and lock up and fix. And that isn't fair. Mm. That isn't fair. So, you know, I just hope that when people have this discussion that folks can do less talking at each other and more talking with each other. And yeah, that sounds pie in the sky and whoop de doo. That sounds happy. But, but really that's what it's going to take. It's not enough for just black people to be out here saying there's a problem. Nothing changes that way. People have to look over and say, you know, in the same way that I can look and say the way women are treated in the workplace in terms of the way they're paid, in terms of the leave they get after they have children, all sorts of things are unfair to women. Like black folk, white folks have to be able to stand up and say, this is unfair and this isn't right. You have to be able to acknowledge something outside of your own experience. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that a lot of times black people struggle with acknowledging same sex issues, you know, because whether it's the religious thing, it's an abomination under God and all this stuff. And it's like we don't necessarily have black folks all the time standing up for gay rights issues. Right. Uh, if, if all lives truly do matter, if, if people that are that are walking around saying that, then it'd be helpful if you said that more often as opposed to just saying it when someone says black lives matter because at the point that the only time you say all lives matter is in response to someone saying black lives matter yeah, yeah. it's the same way that people try to say that the rebel flag is about heritage <laughs> if right. the rebel flag was about heritage it wouldn't have started flying in response to the civil rights movement yeah. okay we know when it went up all right <laughs> when you started flying it we know the timing of this thing so if the only time you ever say all lives matter is to combat someone saying black lives matter we know the jig is up like stop it we know what this is about like you're not fooling anyone so uh i think to 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 sum all this up and then this is sum it up this is before we talk about what happened in france right right right. yeah we haven't even got to that yet. we haven't even talked about nice right yeah uh i saw that uh this morning between last night and this morning i guess they're at 84 or something like that? Uh, last number I saw was 84 with more than 100 injured. More than 100 injured. Someone ran a truck into a group of people celebrating Bastille Day. Yeah, it wasn't just like, like you hear like, you know, oh, they drove a truck into, you know, a group of people, like the truck veered off the sidewalk and hit a couple of people who were standing around. It drove 1.2 miles through a crowd that was watching the um, Bastille Day fireworks. And it was varying back and forth going out of its way to hit people. And according to some reports, uh, they were shooting out the windows of the truck while they were driving through. So this isn't just like, oops, I drove into a crowd. This was a, 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 a terror attack by any definition. Wow. And that that's I've been to, to Nice before. Um, I went there some years ago. Beautiful place. Uh, really cool people. Um, not that 
it would have made a difference. But that's just been my experience with that place. And it's really sad um, to hear that that happened. Um, and 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 we'll see what happens in the in the aftermath of this. I've already seen people trying to politicize it. Um, I've already seen on social media where they say, oh, now to all the liberals out there. Yeah. Uh, Ban box trucks. Ban box the, trucks. Yeah, which now. is the most ridiculous argument. Which, which, which is so. <laughs> that's just you know, people have just become like these pit bulls where they don't they don't really think before they say things. They just oh here's a chance, yeah. you know. And then uh, you know you probably hear some other people saying, well, if there had been a good guy with a truck, you know, it's just like <laughs> so stupid. It's just so stupid. I'm. I'm like, where are all the sensible people? Have we just gotten so divided and so polarized that there's nobody that just yeah. just sits and goes, "What what are we doing?" I think the I think what happens is 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 we get all kind of focused. You know, oh, there's all this Twitter outrage. Most of the people in the world are still not on Twitter, mm. and so we get we get you know balls deep into what's going on on Twitter and everything, and so we think there's all this outrage and people are pissed off and everything. But I bet. If you could put Twitter down when something like this happens and just kind of take it all in and not necessarily because the media does it too. And I'm, you know, I'm a member of the media and I'm normally the first person kind of, you know, to defend the media when people start pooping on the media. But the first thing, you know, that they do in an instant like this is they go to Twitter and they start, you know, broadcasting their, oh, you know, Donald Trump tweeted he's not going to announce his vice president candidate because this happened in France. And, you know, so it becomes this Twitter because it's the most instantaneous reaction to something, you know, as things are happening, you start seeing tweets about it. So there's all this Twitter outrage. If we could just, you know, when things like like this happen, put Twitter down. And just take it in, you know, as it's happening, and see the reaction to it as things are happening without getting on Twitter, which is, which is the the lowest, you know, common denominator of humanity, it, 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 and just you know see things and react to them the way the way we used to see them. There should be outrage here, certainly, but but not out not outrage aimed at anything other than the the people behind the attack, right? Not politicized outrage, right? It's not. Oh, it's Obama's fault. How in any way is this Obama's fault? You Hillary Clinton or created, Trump's fault, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, Hillary Clinton created ISIS. Well, now that how? <laughs> yeah, it's not Obama's fault. It's not the left's fault. It's right. not Hillary's it's, fault. It's, it's not Trump's fault. Right. It's not Islam's fault. It's it's, it's yeah. It's just this dude's fault. <laughs> We get so much into that 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 you know instantaneous you know knee jerk reaction on Twitter, and then and then it just spins into further BS and and just you know when stuff like this this happens, put the social media down and and see how the rest of the world that's not on Twitter is reacting to it. So, what do you think? In turn, how how do you how do you fix this? How, how, not fix it, but I mean, <laughs> which aspect of it are we fixing? The carnage. <laughs> The carnage, just, just, just the the violence, like the leaders, world leaders. Is there anything to me? I think, and I'm 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 not pro war, but make no mistake, these are acts of war. You know, if 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 you know Liechtenstein, you know, if they took a military truck and drove it into a crowd of people from another country, those two countries would go to war. 
ISIS, obviously, you know, whether it's ISIS or Al Qaeda or whatever, you know, terror group you're talking about, it's harder because they don't have borders. They don't have, you know, we know roughly where they are, but we don't know where their sleeper cells are. We don't know where, you know, where they're headquartered. There's no country that we can just go and attack in this case. So I understand the difficulties in, 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 in a military response. Having said that, I think it's past time for some sort of of world military effort. You know, they're not just attacking. It, it, it's kind of almost like like you know what went on right before World War II. You know, Germany was was working its way through Europe. The Japanese were doing what they were doing, and they attacked you know the U.S. and the world got together against these two powers so you're saying some coordinated effort i i think so i mean we're all we're all a target i mean france is one of france it you know the, they don't exactly have a you know a military history you know a, a sparkling military history aside from surrendering to just about everybody right so you know why is why is france you know such a major target why why is why is England such a target? Why is why is Belgium a target? Why is the U.S. a target? You know, it, it, it's it needs to be some sort of coordinated military response, I think. Um, it, and it's probably not you know necessarily you know drones you know carpet bombing their camps, but it's it, it it's you know choking out their money. It's 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 you know some sort of coordinated attempt to put an end you know to this but then you know we damaged al-qaeda and then isis came along and isis is the group that al-qaeda goes like whoa these guys are whack jobs whoa <laughs> you know these guys are out of, we wouldn't even do that you know yeah. and they flew planes into you know into the world trade center so it's it, it's it's i you know i understand the difficulties i understand the parameters are shifting there's no borders there's no set you know oh we'll invade iraq it's not that simple i get it but these are acts of war and i think it's time you know it's time for us to to you know as a as a as humanity to you know as much as we can put an end to it and whether that's a military response or a financial response or you know whatever that is i don't i don't i don't necessarily know what it is but what I, but it's time. Well, that's an interesting point you raise because what I have not seen to this point is this sort of worldwide coordinated effort. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. And like we you said, get, that's kind of what happened in World War II. Right. So we get we get thoughts and prayers, and we get strongly worded responses from world leaders. And that's it. I I wholeheartedly condemn the actions. Oh, big fucking deal. Oh, we condemn a lot. <laughs> we condemn a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we condemn a lot, and we'll <laughs> hashtag it. <laughs> we giving out hugs on Third Street, yeah. Which which has its place. I'm not I'm not knocking people that want to give hugs out. Yeah, you no, can't no, knock hugs. No, no, no. Of course not. But 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 it's ISIS isn't gonna go. You know what? Those people at Trade and Try on it, right? Yeah, we got to stop this. Neither are crooked cops. <laughs> right. It's it's, it's it's. I mean, you know, thoughts and prayers are great. But it. Someone years ago, someone said to me, if if you're standing on a train track. Mm. And there's a train bearing down on you. Mm -hmm. You can pray all you want, 
but you still got to move your ass off the track. It's true. You know, and I, I, I'm all for, you know, thoughts and prayers and hashtag pray for niece and, 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 you know, and all that other stuff. But it's got to be accompanied by real effort and action. And they they even say that in the Bible, faith without works is dead. Yeah, yeah. So thoughts and prayers is the absolute least that you can do. I can't pray myself to a six pack. <laughs> I might have to do some sit ups, right? And drink my sweet potato smoothies. <laughs> That's right. I, I can't pray myself to a six pack, but I can go to the teeter and grab one. <laughs> is that what is that what we were talking about? I feel like because I don't. Well, man, I. <coughs> anyway, I just. Uh, I'm looking forward to when uh, we don't have to take out uh, chunks of the podcast to do this, but I just feel like it's necessary with everything that's going on, uh, everything that's going on. You know, we're a part of this world and a part of this community, and I think we'd be doing the listeners a disservice uh, by not devoting some time to talking about these things and and people that are victims of this stuff to to honor and, and bring up their names and to discuss you know, our our take on it and where we need to go as a country and as, as a community, as a world, a global community. Uh, this stuff's important. So get informed. And if there's any way that you can be helpful, whether it's just to your own community, get out there, get involved, vote, know who you're voting for. Uh, you know, give a damn. Get, get, give a damn about something beyond your little sphere. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do with this podcast. It may cost us some listeners. May gain us some listeners. We don't know how this is going to go, but we just felt the, the pressing need to talk about what's going on. So hopefully next week uh, we can do a podcast without having to devote a segment to uh, who else you yeah. know, was, was gunned down or, or terrorized or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it, man. We, we just got to do better. I really hope we can. We're all trying to get through this shit. You know, we've all been dealt a crummy hand. You know, life is a bag of crap. And we're all just working our way through it. Surely we can get through it without killing each other. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's kind of all I got. I don't really, I know you like to end these things on a high note. <laughs> but well, that was kind of a high note, right? Yeah. In I think, its own I think, way. Yeah. Our, our, yeah. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. We don't have to talk about this crap next week. How about that? Let's all let's put our thoughts and prayers towards that. And finally, <laughs> that one more time, I want to pub this fantasy league. I have not gotten yeah. the responses yet. I want people, if you want to compete yep. in this football fantasy league this season, because the season starts early September. Yeah. So we run out of time. We're two weeks from training camp. We're two weeks from training camp. Yeah. We're two weeks from training camp. So send in your responses. If you want to be a part of the league and compete against us, have a great time, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. I thought one of the things that we could do is whoever wins the podcast, particularly if it's somebody that's not like a comedian or something, bring them in. They can sit sure, in on the podcast for five minutes. We can interview them. Yeah, that'll be uh, Yeah, fun. pub them out to our thousands of listeners. Uh, they can get their name out there. So it's an opportunity to get your shine on if you can if you can win the league. Yeah, they can sit here in the closet with us. And- yeah, you can so- sit right here. And, <laughs> hell, I mean, you, you'll meet somebody famous, if not just me, uh, whoever the guest is. Uh, you meet two famous people that day. Three, I, if you count Sam. Yeah, I I, uh, I loaded up a sound effect for you. Are we not? Are we not doing that? Yeah, we haven't used the. Oh <laughs> well, you know what? We do. We do have a new sound effect. We have a new sound effect. Uh, it's a familiar sound. So uh, I'll just say a couple things to to give us an opportunity to use the sound effect. Uh, first of all, if you heard about the truck attacks and. Uh, the truck attack. If you heard about the terrorist attack that happened this weekend and your first inclination was to say, 
uh, how you blame the left or the right. Yeah, we're queuing you up. You are, you are one of the biggest losers. <laughs> if you're on the internet talking about hash lives, uh, all hashtag all lives matter in response to Black Lives Matter. And if you heard what happened this week and everything else, and your only commentary is F the police. And if you happy that Sammy Joe wasn't here this week. Yeah, this is this turned into a real sausage fest is what this is. <laughs> this, this, it's a lot of penis in this room. This I, I, as... I'm, I'm never comfortable with more than two penises <laughs> and no vaginas in the same room. I just don't like that. I don't like the ratio. Things get dicey with dudes. They get crazy, yeah. especially when you put them in a small room. But we made it all right today. Yeah. We expected Sammy back next week. Yep. Right? Uh, we'll hear all about her uh, cruise with her guy. That should be interesting. And uh, I'm sure I'll have something else crazy that happens this week. So until next week, y'all, stay safe, stay together, keep laughing, keep loving, keep living life. Peace. The Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs>